Hey, good morning. Today's daf is daf Ayin Hey. Um, today's shir is the Ilu Nishmas um, Ben Sion Ben Zeev Avram Alevi Yehud and Yehuda Leib Ben Ben Ephraim. It is also for Fuashlema of Yehuda Leib Ben Miriam. May he have a complete recovery. Um, we're going to go from the first line of Ein Hayamud Aleph 75a. That's bringing a quote from the mitzvah Ein Soilinus Apesach, etc. Remember, we learned yesterday in the Mishnah that it's very, they're very particular with how you roast the Koban Pesach um, and the type of wood so that it, firstly, you don't, and you can't use a metal spit. The reason is you don't want the, you don't want the metal to heat up that then the meat of the Koban Pesach is cooked by the spit. You want it to be cooked by the fire. And you also don't want any um, moisture, sap or liquids to drip from the... um, Sap to drip from the... um, From the wood spit that will then boil that part of the carbon Pesach as opposed to it getting roasted. Um, And then we said you're not allowed to use a grid. So, and then it brought a story that says you're not allowed to use a grid and it brings a story that uh, Rabban Gamliel asked his uh, servant Tavi to go roast his Korban Pesach on a grid. So the Gemara says, Master Listo, you're bringing a story to contradict your what you said. That doesn't make any sense. You don't say a halach and then bring a story where the God Allah did differently. So he says, so the Gemara answers, it's missing a line. And this is what it says, it's Mutar. If it's a grid with holes, then it's permitted. And that's what Rabbi Tzadok then came along and said, Yop, and it happened with Rabbi Gamliel. He told Tavi, his servant, to go and roast his Pesach on the Askala Munukeves, on this Askala. Now, interestingly enough, how does it, it sounds to me, from reading what's Askala, we're discussing a grid, and we're discussing Askala Munukeves, would be kind of like our bra grids, something like that. But actually, how Rashi explains it, it's actually a, it's what we would call a spit. He says you have this area which has basically a frame or bars, and you hang the wooden spit across from bar to bar. So that the Koban Pesach doesn't touch the metal. Now that, what Rashi is saying is very interesting. Because remember yesterday I said, how do I think that they had their spits? Their spits would hang perpendicular to the ground. Kind of, as Mervyn said, like a shawarma machine. That's how their spits used to be. And now what Rashi is saying, oh, so what's this Askelamanu Keves? Is you have a grid with a hole in the middle. And you lie the spit across that hole. So that the animal's not touching any of the metal. That would be shut in this Gemara. Okay, now we're going to go and discuss. We'll see it. We'll we'll see how the the next case and um, why it's brought here. But basically, if you remember, the Gemara earlier discussed quite far earlier in the Masechta discussed if you use something like orla peels, which are sura orla fruit, orla peels, etc., which are asure bahano, you're not allowed to get benefit from them to fuel your oven. According to Rebbe, the bread that you cooked with that fuel is made with something that is Asur, and therefore the bread is also forbidden. Now we're going to ask the question, Rebbe Hanina Bar-Idi is going to ask, what about if the 
fuel has been taken out. So you've swept the oven clean of those osur coals. What would be the halacha if you cook the bread in the oven now? The oven's still hot, but there's none of the isur left in the oven. So let's see, boy, Rav Chanina Baridi, may Rav Ada Barava, Rav Chanina Baridi, also Rav Ada Barava. Tano Sheisiko, but Klippe Orla, if you fueled an oven with Klippe Orla, Vagorfo, and you swept out all the coals, Vagorfo boys are pass, and then you bake the oven, and you bake the bread in that oven. The Divra Oyser Mahu, according to Rebbe, who says that the bread, that if the wood was still there, the bread is also, now that the wood is taken out, what would you say? What's the halacha? And again, the question, because when the wood is there, so then uh, Isur, the Isur Ahano, the, the Orla, is giving, is providing the fuel and the heat. But if you've swept it out, it's kind of, I don't know, I guess what you'd call it, a residue heat or a secondary heat that is cooking the bread. And that should, maybe that's permitted. So Amalei, Hapas Muteres. He says, yeah, the bread is Mutar. This Amalei, Vomar Avchanina Saba, Omar Biasi, Omar Biochanan. But wait. What about what Rabbi Hanina Saba said in the name of Rabbi Asi, in the name of Rabbi Yochanan? Tanu shehi sikov v'gorfu v'tzolo boyes ha-pesach. If you have an oven that you fueled and you swept it out and you roasted the Pesach in that oven, ain't zet sliyesh. It's not considered sliyesh. And Nehemiah is a postage. It says sliyesh, sliyesh, shtei po'omim. It says that the Koban Pesach has to be roasted with fire twice. Now, time at the Golirachmona, Tzli Eish, Tzli Eish, Omim, we see clearly it's because the Torah said it must be roasted with fire twice. If not for this revelation, if not for the Torah revealing this to me, I would have said it is considered Tzli Eish. Let me re-say his question. We know about the Koban Pesach, it has to be Tzli Eish roasted in fire, and it says roasted in fire twice. It says it's if it's it says it must be roasted in fire twice, which tells us that if you have a hot oven with all the fuel swept out and you roast the kavan pesach in that oven, it would not be. Um, it would not be considered roasted by fire. That would be roasted by a residue heat or secondary heat, not by fire. But that's specifically because the Torah says tzli eish twice. Which implies that if it would have just said roasted by fire, it would be, we would assume that an oven that was heated up by fire, even though you've swept out the fire, yes, you've turned your oven to maximum, and it's been on for half an hour, and then you switch the oven off and you cook something in that, that would be considered fire. Which seems to contradict what he just said, because he said if you take the clipe orla out the oven, it's mutar. But it should be still considered the fire, even though the oven's hot and there's no fuel in the oven, it should still be considered fire, as we learn from that case. Sorry, I don't know if I said it clearly. Let me just try once more. But the Koban Pesach, specifically because it says three H twice, you can't have swept out the fire and use a hot oven, implying that if it would have only said three H once, it would be fine to roast in the oven, to roast the common Pesach in an oven where the fuel has been swept out. Now, that means that it's still considered the fire of the fuel. Then why by Orla did you permit um, 
to bake bread in the oven if it's already swept out. That is still considered three ash. So the Gemara's got to give two answers. First answer is, yeah, or Rav, um, Rav Arabah is going to give two answers. First one, he says, No, the Torah tells, from what we learn by Pesach, I, that it's not considered Sri Aish unless there's actual fuel still in the fire, the coals are still in the fire, we learn from there to the rest of the Torah. Eboys Aima, alternatively, the cause of Rahman at Sri there it's because the Torah says Sliyash twice. Holo kos of Rahman at Sliyash day pa'amim havi amina ha'eish kopi Rahman ha'filu garfon nami Sliyashu. If it hadn't written Sliyash twice, I would have thought the, the Torah's criteria is just that it's fire, from fire. And this, even if you've swept out the coals, it's still considered cooked by fire because that's where the heat came from. Aval hacha but by Orla, using this forbidden to get benefit fuel, it's the forbidden wood that the Torah is particular about for Holy Sinino, and they're not in existence anymore. You swept them out. So he's saying, on, we've got to look at what we're focusing on. On the Koban Pesach, we're focusing on the cooking. And the cooking must be by fire, which we would have assumed that, yeah, if it's heated up by fire, if the oven's heated up by fire, that's good enough. Comes along, uh, um, but by the, but by the orla, what's the problem? Using the orla, well, the orla is not there anymore. Okay, new point. Tonra bonon chot chovenos na gabe kacholim. If you cut into the korban pesach and placed it directly on coals, you didn't put it on a spit. You made incisions into the korban pesach. Rashi says in two or three places so that it roasts quicker. And then you place that directly on the coals. Rebbe Omer, Rebbe says, Omer Ani I say, this is Tzliyesh. Sorry, I just want to say one more point on the previous case. Um, yeah, Rashi says, um, just, we said that by roasting the Koban Pesach, it's, the Torah is particularly about fire. So Rashi says, The heat of the oven is a result, is, a, is from fire. And if you put a garment in a Nisraf, it would burn, it would become fire and coal. So we still see that there is still an aspect of the fire there. It's very interesting. If you put your stove on to full heat and then you turn it off, you could still burn a piece of paper or a, or a tissue or something on it. So, so, so that we see that it is ash. The heat there is, is, uh, is ash. Um, and that's, uh, so that's why by the Koban Pesach, you would have thought that that is sufficient. And it needs to tell us three A's, three A's twice to say that no, the fuel actually still has to be in the oven for it to count as roasting the Koban Pesach. Okay, anyways, but all that's not such a problem. Okay, sorry, let's start the new piece. If someone cuts, makes incisions into his Koban Pesach and places it directly on the coal, Rebbe says, Oimer Ani I say that this counts as Tzli Aish. Now, before we go any further, it's a very strange language that Rebbe says, Omer Ani, I say. So the Gilion Ashas, Rabbi Yosef Engel, um, says very interestingly, he says, we only ever find this phrase of Omer Ani, like Rebbe says, 
I say, Barebi, Barebi Yehuda Anasi. And he says, interesting, he says, it's not a, it sounds a little bit arrogant, like, well, Rebbe says, you know, I say, he says, it's actually the opposite. What he's saying is, look, this is what I say, and I'm saying it for myself, and you can take it or leave it, like, uh, very humble, you know, I'm not, it's not my declaration, it's what I say, this is how I learned it. Um, and then he says, very interestingly, he shares that, we actually never found this phrase, Omer Ani, again, except by Rebbe in the Gemara and the Mishnah, and even in Tanakh, the whole of Tanakh, he says, we only found it once. You can see what a genius we're talking about, um, Rabbi Yosef Engel. He says, in the whole of Tanakh, we only found it once. He says, and that's in Tehillim, in the one Tehillim. Okay, and I don't want to go into it now, but he goes and he shows how that Tehillim, where it says Omer Ani, is connected to Rebbe's life and Rebbe. So I thought that was quite an interesting idea. But, he, um, but so Omer Ani, Rebbe says, I say, that it's a good roasting. You put this Koban Pesach directly on the coals, it's a good roasting. So Rami Le Ravachtavuyebar Amil Rav Chizda. Ravachtavuyebar Amil Asrav raised a contradiction before Rav Chizda. Says, Can Rebbe really hold that coals, putting it directly on the coals, is considered fire? Says, we raised, he raised a contradiction. It says, Michvas Eish. But Tsara'as. We know that there are different rules of tzaras depending on the type of skin that the, the tzaras grows. What if the tzaras grows on a burn, it has a specific set of rules as opposed to if it grows on a hair or if it grows on regular skin. So it depends on the type of skin. So here, regarding tzaras on a burn, it says, I would say that's only if it's burned by fire. Um, what happens if it is burnt? This person was burnt by coal or hot ash or burning lime or burning uh, some other type of burning tar or something. Or anything that comes from fire, which is or to include boiling water. How do I know that this would also count as a burn for Taras? Again, obviously, if it's like sunburn and there's Taras on that, that doesn't count as tzoras of a burn. It's, the Pesach says, Michvas Eish, which we know it has to be a burn from fire. And now we're asking, how do we know to include all these things that are heated or residue heat of fire? This is Menayim, Talmud Loimar, Michve Michve. It says burn twice in the Pesach. Ribber, it comes to include all of these things. Now we say, timer, the, the, the important one for us is that Michve Eish, we would have assumed is specifically fire. And this extra Michve comes and includes coal. Hot coal, a burn from hot coal. He says, "Timer the Rabbi Rachmana Michve Michva Holo Rabbi Rachmana Michve Michva Gacholim Lav Eishinu." The reason, the only reason that we count Gacholim as a burn regarding Torahs is because the Torah repeats Michve Michva. If it did not repeat Michve Michva, we would not count um, coals, hot coals, as fire, which contradicts. Rebbe says you can roast your korban Pesach directly on coals. But you've just, we've just proven that the Torah doesn't count coals as fire. So Omar Lay, he answers him, he says, No, coals from wood, I, um, burning hot wood coals, would definitely be considered ash. We're speaking about metal coal. I, you, they would take a, you take a metal ball or a block and you heat it up kind of like a filament in a light um, or a heater or something so that 
that's what we need the Pasuk to tell us that that counts as Aish regarding a burn of Tzorath. So the Gemara asks, oh, So you're telling me that I would not think that coal, um, what's it, metal coal, burning metal is considered fire. It says, What about as it's written? If you have a daughter of generally people who commit adultery, get put to death by strangulation. A daughter of a coin who commits adultery, shall be burnt in fire. Ramatna says in the Sanhedrin when it's discussing putting her to death, it says, They make a wick of lead. And that's how they put it to death. Either they melt lead, and then they pour that down her throat, and that kills her. So, Shreifer, so the Pasuk tells us that you must put this Bas Kohen to death by fire. And how does the how does Ramasna explain by fire? By melting lead, by hot lead. We see that hot, med, hot metal is considered fire. So again, we assume that hot Obviously, burning coals is considered fire, but hot metal is not necessarily considered fire. But we see clearly from this, from the how you put a bas coin who committed adultery to death, that it that it is fire. So this is the moral answer. No, shiny awesome to Amakra, but ish tisoreif. In fire, you shall burn her. Tisoreif lerabos kol shreifa abos mina ish tisoreif is coming to include any way of burning her that that stems from fire. I, the Apostle Rashi explains, the Apostle could have just said, put her to death with fire. And you'd know, what does it mean put her to death by fire? Um, by burning. So why does it say, put her to death by fire through burning? That extra through burning is coming to say that anything that was heated by fire. Of a kol Well, if you can use but H two Sarev, you should definitely be allowed to use actual fire. Why don't you wrap her in vines and burn her? Why don't you burn her at the stake? This Baskoin who commits adultery, we just said fire or anything that comes from fire. So use hot metal. So why don't you rather use just put it to death with actual fire, which is what the Posuk which is the most obvious case in the in the Torah by burning her at the stake. So I say straight for straight for me, no, we learn how to put it to death. As Xerishova from the sons of Aaron. Remember the two sons of Aaron entered the Kodesh HaKadoshim incorrectly and they and a fire came out and burnt them. But how did it burn them? He says, just as there they were burnt internally, but their body was still in existence, untouched. So to here you should put this girl to death in this sort of Shrefa that her Inside, her neshama leaves her with her inside being burned, but without external burning. So we learn Xerashov again. So why, again, why do we put her to death through pouring molten lead down her throat as opposed to instead of burning her at the stake? Because we want to make it as similar to possible to the death of Aaron's sons, and that is an internal burning. Of Navid la or Okay, so why don't you burn her in boiling water? That would leave the body fairly intact. So he says, No, because of what Ram Nachman says, Ram Nachman says the name of the Pasuk, from the Pasuk, You must love your friend like yourself. 
Misa Yofe, choose a nice death. Now I'll come back to this that we're using the to say put someone to death in the nicest way, in the most pleasant way. And um, being it seems that um, I can't verify this, but apparently putting someone to death by pouring molten lead down their throat is very, very quick and almost, therefore it's almost painless. And it also but whereas if you would put someone to death by boiling them in water that would take longer and be more painful. So out of love, just as Chas a person himself would choose to be put by, to death by having lead poured down their throats instead of burning, do it to this girl as well. Um, obviously, oh, once we have this Rav Nachman, why do we need the Gzair Shava? We brought a Gzair Shava that you must burn her on the inside and not on the outside. But Rav Nachman says, put her to death in the most pleasant way possible. So that would definitely mean by burning her on the inside as opposed to burning her at the stake. So why do I need the Gzair Shava connecting it to the sons of Aaron? It says, Omri, love Gzair Shava, have a minute, straight for Neshom of a Gufkayim, love straight for he. No, if not for the Gzair Shava, I would have thought that putting someone to, when the Torah says burn them if you just burn them internally that you can't see any signs maybe that doesn't count as Shrefa so that's what it says that it is and if you just had Rav Nachman I put it to death in a pleasant way use lots of vines I make a huge fire that the person who you put him to death dies very quickly so that they die quickly, it comes to teach us that, no, two points. One is just burning the inside, counts as burning, and therefore, do it in that pleasant way. If you only had, if you only had burn them pleasantly, you would have thought you could burn them at the stake, just make a very, very strong fire that they die quickly. And if it would have said, just put them to death, if it would have just said like Rav, yes, if it would have just said you could put it like that. Therefore, the pasuk also comes to tell us that just burning internally counts as a good putting to death. Well, if that's the case, why do I need to exclude fire? So, oh, what's fire coming to tell me? Because once you've said Tisoreif, then I know it must be with fire. It says, Fuka Eva Meikora, it must be coming to include lead that is naturally melted, naturally hot, and must specifically be from something heated by fire. That's what the Torah is telling us. Okay, I'll come back to that. Let's just finish this point. It says, Omalei Rebirmiya, the Rebbe Zaira, Rebirmiya said to Rebbe Zaira, you're telling me that whenever in the Torah we see this unnecessary repetition of burn them in fire where it could have just said in fire and I know that means burning and must be coming to include all different types of burnings through H what about the bulls that are supposed to be burnt there's certain bull sacrifices there are actually three if I remember correctly if the Kohen Godel makes a uh, makes a psak and he's high that he makes a mistake in psak and because of that psak he's high of uh, he would have to bring a chattis or remember if the whole Sanhedrin makes a mistake and, Bnei, and a majority of Bnei Israel 
act based on that mistake and it turns out that they should be Chav Kores, then you bring an, a bull and there's a bull and a Poriman Yisrofim, a bull on Yom Kippur. I don't remember any others. Um, but they, you take the bull and you burn it. Instead of burning it on his bath or anything, you take it out. So he says, You'll burn it on wood in fire. It says you have to burn it in fire and not boiling lamb or boiling tar. It says, so, so we see, Ba'esh Tisoreif does not come to include all these other types of burning. So, how can you compare them? Over there it says you shall burn her and then in fire and you shall burn her. So that's the rabbis call shreifos habos mech mazaish. That's coming to include all different types of ash. He says hachek siv for sora for so ala etzim baish. Here it says, and you will burn him, burn it on wood in fire. Lebasof ash, the fire's at the end. Lemeimre the ash in midiachridi law. So he says, just look at the construct of the pasuk. Where it says Ba'esh in fire, then I would think only fire, and it says Tisoreif. Oh, Tisoreif is coming to include other types of burning. But in this pasuk, by the bull that is burnt, it says, Ba'esh, it says, you shall burn it. Oh, I would say any type of burning, and then it ends off the pasuk in fire. To tell me, oh no, you burn it specifically in fire. It says, oh, Hosanamiksiva Shreifa Lebasof. But if you look at that pasuk, it also says Shreifa at the end. al from the place where you pour the old ash, you burn it. I uh, interesting the pasuk. If you just listen to the pasuk carefully, where you hear the soraf and the ash, it said the soraf. You shall burn it on wood in fire. Al on So it does say yisoreif at the end, which would imply that you could burn it in any way, not specifically in fire, according to the rules that you just told me. So Omri, they said, We need it for the following teaching. Um, now what it's telling us is that you must burn it even if there are no ashes there. Now you burn it in the place of the ashes, but it doesn't matter whether the ashes are there or not, that you've cleared out from the Mizbech. And, not, and also, you must burn it even if it's basically burnt. Uh, you took this par and you burnt it and it's been there for an hour and now it's basically burnt. There's just a little bit of meat that hasn't been. No, you must still put in effort to make sure that it is completely burnt. That is Ba'isti Sore. So now I just want to go back um, and discuss um, now that we've finished that way of learning. So again, we, Rebbe came along and said that you, if you take the common Pesach and put it directly on coals, you are that counts as burning, roasting it in fire and then he says but wait um, we brought a contradiction that said you need a special extra word to include coals as fire so he said no that's metal coals he says you're telling me metals called coals doesn't count as wouldn't, I wouldn't assume that metal coals count as burning, on fire, burning in fire what about the way you put someone to death? The way you put someone to death is by pouring melted lead down their throat. Someone who's obligated to be put to death by fire. You put them to death by pouring molten lead down their throat. So we see that molten lead is fire. 
and we went through a whole long a side discussion that of how we see that no, it's Ba'ish Tisoreif. It's um, sorry that that's um, that um, that there is extra words that teach us that the that the lead that we we need an extra word to tell us that this hot metal counts as fire. So that way of learning stands. Just in the discussion we mentioned regarding putting someone to death, um, we said it's a mitzvah to put someone to death in the most pleasant way. I, strictly speaking, you would be able to put someone to death by burning them at the stake or it seems any other type of burning that would stem from, that would stem from um, fire. But... You should love your friend like yourself and put them to death in the most painless way. We're speaking about Rishoim. There are many who hold that the mitzvah of putting someone of Vahaftarecha doesn't apply to Rishoim. They learn it out from various psukim and other sources that this obligation. So therefore you shouldn't, if we're speaking about someone who committed adultery, you shouldn't have the requirement to put them to death in a pleasant way. The mitzvah after Rechah does not only applies to people who keep Torah and mitzvahs, not to Rishoim, not to someone who commits adultery. So I think the simple answer to that is, remember, before you put someone to death, they have to do vidu and tshuva. So this woman has done tshuva, and now she's back into being a tzadikas, she's back into being a kosher Jew, and therefore the obligation of after Rechah comes and puts her tells us to put her to death in the most pleasant way possible, either most painless and, I guess, uh, respectful way possible. Again, you have to put her to death, the Torah says it, but you do it in the most painless and pleasant way possible. And then just interestingly, um, you know, this, I was just listening to Shir last night, I didn't like his answer, so I'll give my own answer. But if you notice, it says, whenever we come across in the Gomorrah, it's always to not do something horrible to someone else. What would you, if I told when we discuss the pasuk of love your friend like yourself, in our minds that is always be kind to other people, do more for other people. But actually, when it's when you see it in the in the Gemara, it's always to don't do something horrible to someone. Don't put them to death in a horrible way. Another place it says it is in Kiddushin when it's discussing uh, getting married. It says a man must see his wife before he marries her because maybe he'll get married and then he'll see her and he won't like what she looks like. He won't be attracted to her and it will be horrible for her. So don't be horrible to her. Make sure to look at the girl you're dating before you get married. But again, so not to be horrible. And I think one of the standout... Uh, one of the standout principles, uh, one of the standout examples where we see this is the famous Hillel. The Hillel, when the convert came to him and said, um, the convert came to him and said, teach me Torah on one foot and I'll convert. So what did Hillel say? Whatever is hated to you, don't do to someone else. He doesn't say as in go all out and helping people. He says don't do. He turns it in. He flips it around again. What he's saying to this negative. Don't do things that are horrible to other people. Now why would they get that? So I think the one source that you arrive at that concept is. Um, um, the one source. The one area where we arrive at that concept is because we know there's another halacha. That chayecho koidmin. 
You know the famous uh, discussion in Baba Metzia, if you have two people in the desert walking and the one's holding a bottle of water, must he share it? He says, no, your life comes first. You take precedence. So that pulls us away from interpreting in the logical, obvious way of do as much for others as you would do for yourself. You don't have to because your life takes precedence. Um, so that's uh, That's where we see that you flip it to the Esur. Now the Rav Shimon Shkop, it's a beautiful idea and we don't have time to do it sufficiently, but I'll just mention it in short. He raises a he, he, he brings this whole discussion of the, it says Vavter um, is changed by the Tanoim into the negative don't do what affects other people and that's because of etc. And he bases it on a concept, he says we find that Hashem is Kodosh. And what does Kodosh mean? Kodosh means you live entirely for someone else. Our experience of Hashem is that He's totally there for others. Hashem doesn't need anything. Hashem is uh, Hashem. He's the Lord Almighty. He doesn't need anything. So why does Hashem provide us with food, provide us with this world, provide us with the opportunity for Olam Haba, etc.? That's because of His commitment to other people. And that's totally for other people. But by man, He's not supposed to live like that. Man, are you supposed to live... You have to keep in mind that you take precedence and you must live for yourself. And he's got a whole thesis of how that's essential to the whole creation and man gaining his reward is the selfish aspect that you've got to live for yourself. He says, oh, so where do we find all the, the obligation? It says, Hashem says, you must be Kadosh. It says, uh, I'm trying to, you must emulate Hashem, etc. How, so how does that fit in? So he says, quite amazingly, says you have to realize you're part of a bigger picture. And he says if you think about it to a degree, many of us realize this. We realize that we're not just a physical being, we're also a spiritual being. We have a goof and an ashama. So we have to do not only for our goof, our physical being, but also for our spiritual being. Says many of us realize that we're not just ourselves, we're part of our family. I when you help your children or help your spouse, it's not detracting from you. You don't feel like I'm doing something external for me I'm putting someone else first when you help your spouse or your children you view it you feel like you helping yourself you don't feel like you're going out so he says this, strictly speaking Jews should be realizing that all Jews are part of the same uh, entity and maybe the whole world is one entity and when you do something for someone else it shouldn't be like I'm sacrificing on myself. Oh, I'm giving off my time. I'm giving off my money. I'm giving. You should kind of view it as if you are. It's, it should be in your mind like an extension of you. Like this that you make sure that your, um, that your one hand will help your other hand. You don't view it as, oh, you know, I'll let my right hand help my left hand just because, you know. No, you view it as helping yourself. And so too when you help your family and so too when you help Klal Yisrael and obviously the rest of the creation. So I think that's an interesting take on, yeah, really you come first. And that's why the Hatarach can't mean it in the positive sense of you have to do for other people like you do for yourself because that's not a true obligation. What the obligation is almost to put yourself first. But to realize that there's more to you than just your body and your neshama. There's your family. There's Klal Yisrael, etc. Okay, as I said, obviously that idea needs a lot more elaboration. But that's... Um
but it's uh, something to start thinking about. Okay, now we're going back to the contradiction we raised. Again, Rebbe said that you can roast your Korban Pesach on coals and it's considered Sli Eish. And we brought a Bryser which implied by Tzorath that no, only by the fact that it includes it with a special drosha is it considered Kli Eitz. Is it considered a burn by fire? But if not for a special drosha, it would not be considered Eish, coals. So Ravina Omar Krosvatani Ravina says, no, you've got to bind them and teach the price a slightly different. It says, Mikvas He adds into that list. When it says burn by fire, it means by literally by fire or coals. Coals are actually fire. Or how do I know that if the burn is also from hot ash, hot lime, hot tar, um, boiling water, etc. How do I know there that that burn is also burned, that the taras on it would count as taras on a burn? includes it. Um, Um, yeah, so that's uh, um, so. Therefore, he's given a different answer. Um, he says that really, when it's said in the Brisa that a burn had obviously included fire and coals, a burn from coals is a burn from fire. Okay, now we're going to go on to a slightly new discussion, but again challenging. Rabbi says, "Rava Rami, Rava raised a contradiction." He says, "Me on my Rabbi Gacholim Ikru you telling me Rabbi holds that coals." Is considered fire. Very minute. What about the following contradiction? And now this is regarding the coin godel. Regarding the coin godel on Yom Kippur to burn the incense, it says he must take a shovel full of coals. So, Jesus says, Yochel. So, um, where was it? Yeah. It says, Gechale, he must take coals. Yochel, Amamos, maybe they just uh, smoldering coals, I coals that have no flame to them. Talmud Lomar Eish, it says Gachala Eish, they must have fire. Ah, oh, Eish Yochel shall have it. Maybe you can just take a flame. Talmud Lomar Gachala, it says coals. Ah, so Kate said, which is it? Is it coals or is it fire? It says, no, maybe Mina Loichoshos, it must be flickering coals. A coals that have fl- f- um, flame. It says, but wait, now that's difficult. It says, You said coals. When it says coals, maybe it means um, smoldering coals. But what would that imply flickering coals are? Flickering coals would be fire. It says, But then in the next clause, you say, If it's fire, you might think it means uh, flame. We see that flickering coals would not be considered fire. So which one? It said there's three, there's three levels. There's flame, flickering coals, and smoldering coals. Now, if it says smoldering coals are coals, that implies that shall have as flickering coals are flame. And if it says only a flame is fire, then it would imply that flickering coals are coals. So which, what are flickering calls? Is the Omar of Sheshes, Rav Sheshes explained. Hachi Katari, this is how you read the Mishnah. It says calls. 
You might have thought that means whether they're smoldering or whether they are flickering. Talmud Lomar Eish. Therefore, the Torah comes along and says, no, it must be fire. Oh, shall have it. If it's fire, maybe it means a flame. Talmud Lomar Gacholim. Coals. Oh, okay. So which, which one is it? Is it coals or flames? It's telling us that you could, you must bring from Lochashos. We see that coals are not considered Aish. Again, when it's exclude, it excludes coals from Aish. So how can Rebbe come along and say roasting the Korban Pesach on coals is considered roasting it on fire? We've just proven that coals are not. So it's Kasha, it's difficult. Kasha le Rebbe. Yeah. It's difficulty to Rebbe. Omar Abayah, Torah Tachi, Abayah says, No, you can explain it as follows. Gachalei, kols yochel, amamos shows. You might have thought it means smoldering and not flickering. I, as lochashos, is actually fire. Talmud Lomar, it says, Eish, fire. Oh, Eish, yochel, rotso, shalheves, yovi, rotso, gacheles, yovi. Oh, if it says fire, maybe you could bring fire or coals. Tamud Lomar Kachale. It says it must be coals. Oh, okay, so how do you do coals and fire? It says maybe minalochashos. You must bring from the flickering ones. Oh, my rover, rover says no. Abaya, that can't be. Rotso gacheles yovi rotso shall heves yovi shall heves below gacheles heichemish kachaslo. Says Abaya, your way of reading the brayser implied that you could choose between bringing coals or flame. How do you get a flame without coals? It must be kagon. You like smeared oil on a vessel or something like that. The asti beinura and lit it. Again, how do you get a flame without fuel, without these coals from his back? Where is he going to get it from? Must be you smeared a vessel in um, oil and you lit it. Says Barahu lameli krolemuta. I don't need a posuk to exclude that sort of flame. Hashdel if no melech posav adam ein oisin kain if no melech malcham lochem akadosh baruch hu kol shekain. That you would definitely, if you had to bring a fire before a king, a human king, you would never bring that sort of fire, that sort of flame. Apparently, I didn't see exactly why or not, but I saw Archgold bring because it smokes a lot. It's just not an art sort of flame. So if you're going to visit a, to help a king, a human king, or serve a human king, you're not going to take such a flame. You're definitely not going to take such a flame into the base of Middash. So I don't need to exclude that sort of flame with the posuk. I would know by logic. Um, so Ella Oma Rava 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 says, Torah's Hachi, answer as follows. When it says coals, maybe it means they have to be smoldering and not flickering. Talmud Lomar Eish, therefore the Torah says Eish. E Eish, Yochel Yovi, Mechze Gacheles, Mechze Shalheves. If it says fire, you might have thought you can bring coals that are half coals half flame and then by the time you get to take it into the Kodesh HaKadoshim it will be completely coals so what's again what's the Havamina is if it would have just said I could have brought just smoldering coals but the Torah comes along and says Eish so Eish I might have thought I can bring where there's flame, I can bring some coals which are flame and coals that by time I get to the Kodesh HaKadoshim, it will be coals. Talmud Lama Velakach Mole Machta Gachola Eish. It says you'll take a shovel full of Gachola Eish, Ma'ala Mizbeach from on the Mizbeach. Mishas Lekichana Havi Gacholim. You have to take 
they have to be gecholim calls at the time of taking. They can't be, you know, when your coals are very fiery and you're waiting for the fire to burn down, you want to bry your meat, so you wait for the fire to settle. It can't be that you take those coals that you're waiting for the fire to settle. You have to take them when they small uh, flickering coals already from the Mizbah. Ipoilahu, they asked a question, Oymos or Oymos, should it be with an Aleph or an Ayin? Not sure what the connotations of each one are, but Omar Reb Yitzchak, Arozim loy Amamu Beganelokim, says the cedars won't be dim in the garden of Hashem, but we see that Omamos means dim, like smoldering coals that have lost all their flame, um, and it's with an ayin. So there we have an answer to our question. I'm not sure what this last piece is asking and really telling us, but let's leave it there for today.